Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. J-Rod Concerts family, welcome to a really special episode of our show. This is your host, this and every episode, Jamie Rodriguez. Hope you guys are doing fantastic wherever you are listening from, whether you're driving, whether you're jogging, whether you're in the U.S., whether you're overseas. Thank you for joining us, and we don't take you for granted. Thank you for playing, for pressing play, guys. Now, today's episode, guys, you guys may know or may not know that, um, you know, I'm really not a fan of any band anymore being in media, except for one. I love U2, the Irish rock band. 22 Grammy Grammy wins, the most of all time. Um, big fan of Bone of the Edge, Adam and Larry, for a long time. And every time they go on tour, I love them. I love seeing them around in different places. And uh, yeah, they're, I'm still a fan, basically. I'm a U2 fan. And, you know, here in Nashville, a couple of my friends, incredible guests of our show, by the way, rock pioneers in Music City, Lauren Morrow, and Andrew Leahy, we've bonded, uh, among many things, over our love for U2. So this special episode is a tribute to U2, where we talk about the band, what it's meant to us, what it's meant to Lauren, what it's meant to Andrew, um, amazing artists in their own self, and it's great to see how the band has influenced their art. So yeah, a great chat. This is for the U2 fans out there. If you want to learn more about U2, this is for you. Uh, and just thank you to Andrew, thank you to Lauren for coming in and just talking you two with us. By the way, guys, Lauren Morrow, she's going to release her new album coming up soon. Check her out at laurenmorrow.com. Uh, there's a lot of shows on the horizon for her. She's touring relentlessly. And Andrew, fantastic rocker. I mean, love this guy to death. Just a great friend, but a great rocker. American Static Volume 1 is out now. Volume 2 will come out shortly. Um, he's got some great music that's come out in the past couple uh, of years and also touring a lot this year. So check him out at andrewleahymusic.com. Without further ado, guys, this is a special YouTube tribute episode of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Andrew Leahy and Lauren Morrow. Hello. Hi. Who do we have here? Oh, my God. What is up? Two of the most talented and coolest, without a doubt, musicians in Music City. Ladies and gentlemen, my pals, Lauren Morrow and Andrew Leahy. What is up, guys? Hi. Hey, Jamie. Hi, you? Lauren. Hi, Hi Andrew. <laughs> it's and of course, Andrew released, you know, a great new album, American Static, Volume 1 last year, Volume 2 to come, and he's on the road a lot this year. AndrewLakeyMusic.com for dates. And Lauren, you know, her much, much anticipated new album is right around the corner. Loved by everyone from Natalie Hamby to Pace Magazine. And you can check out dates at LaurenMorrow.com. Welcome, guys. Hi. So, I love this. So, guys, yeah, I love it, too, because this is a special U2 episode because um, we bonded over our love for the Irish uh, rock guys. So we're super excited to be here. But but Lauren and Andrew, let, let's start with this. I mean, you two, you two have several, I think we can start by breaking it into decades, right? Like, I think 
you can break it down into the 80s, which was their most prolific era, when they turned out, you know, six studio albums and went on to do six tours. They were certainly at their busiest musically. Then the 90s, you know, when, um, you know, they had that big rock era and they kind of like, you know, reinvented stadium rock. Then the 2000s, which was were like critically acclaimed for the most Grammys they won in that decade. And then the newer era, like the songs of innocence and experience. So let's start with you, Lauren. Um, what, what is your favorite U2 decade? Um, I am very partial to 90s U2. I have my Zoo TV. One of, one of the many Zoo TV tour t-shirts that I own. Um, but so I, Andrew doesn't know the story, but Jamie, I've told you that um, when I was eight years old, I think the Zoo TV tour was, um, had started. And my brother is eight years older than me. So he was 16 and my mom took him to Zoo TV and I threw a fit because she wouldn't take me. And she just thought I was just like this young kid that didn't really know what I was talking about. And I was like, I love them so much. And um, she was like, well, go see them next time they come back. And I did. And that was the Pop Mart tour. And that was in 97. And that was my first U2 show. But uh, Octo Baby's my desert island favorite record of all time. So it's, you know, it's a special time, I think, for them and for me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love Europa too. So it's, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What about you, Andrew? What's your favorite U2 decade? You know, I agree with Lauren. Um, it's all Octane Baby for me. And I feel like, you know, like for a band that has such passion and zeal as U2, I think it helped, you know, what's Bono's quote? Like they discovered irony in the Octane yeah. era. I think, I think it helped. Um, and as a person who got so into U2 in college, which was kind of, you know, like uh, right when Kazaa and LimeWire and all the all of those kind of post Napster services were in their prime. I got so many YouTube bootlegs and I think that Bono's voice in particular was just absolutely limitless um, in the Octane Baby era. But I will say that, you know, I feel kind of like my YouTube era was early 2000s because I was in high school, all that You Can't Leave Behind came out. And again, that was right when, um, you know, you could illegally download everything. I bought everything as well, but um, you know, I think it took me discovering how good U2 was live and particularly um, how amazing Bono's vocals were live. Like that's really what catapulted me into that band. And so I do have a strong attachment to early 2000s U2 as well. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking how many computers, Andrew, like broke down with viruses, you know, LimeWire, <laughs> you know, trying to download with or without you. Um, all the torrents. Yeah. All the torrents. But, but you know. Downloading. It will take 65 minutes to download one song. Oh, my God. And then it's like the entirely wrong Entirely worth it, though. Yeah, yeah, entirely worth it. But, you know, the, 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 I love the 90s, too, Lauren. But, you know, the funny thing about it is that, you know, at the, the later half of the 90s, it was when YouTube was like the least commercially like appealing. You mm -hmm. know, that's when like, I mean, there's some video of like a show like in Pop Mart in Jacksonville where the mm -hmm. stadium was like a third full. Yeah. You know, so that is the irony. And, and to Andrew's point, that's when like they did the whole reapplying for the best band in the world kind of thing. Uh, why do you think that was, Andrew, that like that juxtaposition there late 90s, early 2000s? Um, I think maybe they got a little too much into the irony thing. I also think um, I think you let me preface this by saying I'm a U2 apologist. I always have been. And you know, like a Jamie, you and I were on tour last week. You came with my band to a show in Louisville. And I feel like we spent like the entire drive there, like talking about like the problems we have, you know, with you two. And it isn't that we don't love them. It's just that 
you know, I think like as people who are normally, you know, like defending you two in conversation, it was great for you and I as people who both love them to be like, you know what, like this one thing kind of annoys me and this one other thing annoys me. Um, and, um, you know, one thing that I wish you two would do more often is just live with their songs a bit more before they put out the album. I think every album has a couple of complete masterpieces, like the best version of that one song that you could ever have. And then about half of the album are good songs that become great songs live. I can name, I can name countless songs on each album that I think really came into their true essence in concert. And I think pop was pretty rushed, right? They were trying to meet a deadline with their label and a bunch of songs that I think are great songs like Last Night on Earth and Gone really, I guess like, you know, couldn't be fleshed out in time and they had to be fleshed out on the road. So I prefer the bootlegs again from that era as opposed uh, to the album. Love yeah. Staring at the Sun though. That's a great recording. That is a great recording. You and wear that velvet dress is so good too on that record. Oh, yeah, I mean, right. there's amazing yeah, songs. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's a vibe too. And you know, in the nineties, I think a lot of people like, don't realize how much U2 is kind of pushing along the mainstream, like the alt mainstream, especially with Octane Baby. And so I think, you know, they were getting into club culture mm -hmm. and maybe they got a little bit too into it, but I think they had to get out there in order to come back to you know, although you can't live behind, which I think is kind of more of a classic U2 sound. Yeah. I think I heard somebody say too, not that long ago, that like even at their worst, like it's still like if you were to say like Pop Mart is like, or Pop is like not the best U2 record, there's still, like you said, I mean, there's still some really, really good songs on those records that are better than a lot of bands on their best day, you know? And that's kind of always what my defense is. A hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. the late nineties were not a good era for like big rock and roll bands either. I love, I love Oasis. Um, you know, and, and like a late nineties weren't their strongest suit either. I feel like rock just, you know, it lost its way for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's true. Very, very good points there. Lauren, what is the future of you two? Uh, I mean, I think Bono is like 61 or 62, Edge is 60, yeah. Adam is 60, and maybe Larry's like 59 or something. He's just like, just a smidgen younger. You know, Lauren, you know, you, you briefly saw them at the experience tour. You've, you've shared your experience at uh, Atlanta or Nashville. I forget, but like, you know, they're still, they can still put on a freaking awesome show. What is the future of you two, Lauren? I mean, you know, I think what they're, they're gearing up to like put out a new record. I always get a little nervous these days though, you know, when like a new record comes out cause I'm like, oh, please be good. Like when All That You Can't Leave Behind came out, you know, like that was such a good record. And it just felt like you were saying like, they were kind of like back in their form. And I want that for them so badly still like until they die that they'll keep putting out great material. And I think that it can be there just as, I don't know, it's like sometimes I hate to say it, but it's like, sometimes I feel like they miss the mark just a little bit, but it's, I don't know. I like, I want to see them tour because until they can't anymore, because that's really how I feel like they connect with everybody and their shows are just so incredible. Um, I know that they did, you know, the, the Joshua tree, I would obviously love to see Octung baby, but I also yeah. don't want to see all my favorite bands just have to tour on their old records you know like I as an artist like to see people put out new stuff so I don't know I mean you know I think they'll continue to put things out and I think they'll still tour till they can't anymore but we'll yeah. just have to see what 
know. You know, I, I want to get your take on that, Andrew, as well. But, you know, to Lauren's point, I mean, I remember leaving the experience opener in Tulsa. And, you know, I was mind blown that I heard like Acrobat and all that stuff. But people yeah. around me were saying they didn't play with or without you. They didn't play. Still haven't. Where was the streets? Yeah. You know, so, so so that was like the weird thing. But uh, yeah, Andrew, take it away. What do you think, man? Well, I'm glad I'm glad you asked Lauren first because I had to like take some time to come up with an answer. Um, you know, I there's been a million quotes and these are older quotes, you know, like from the band where they were basically like, you know, we will not continue to, you know, like uh, to tour if we only have to play our hits. We always want to play our new stuff. We always want to be pushing along the mainstream. And I get that, but I feel like these days, I, you know, like U2 like, doesn't have hits on the radio right now and they haven't for like a dozen years or so. Um, and it's hard, I think, to know where you go as a band that, again, was always at the forefront of the mainstream for 25 years. What do you do when you're not? I think of the Rolling Stones, and I think it's, you know, I think, you know, if like U2 is a band that's predominantly in their 60s now, I think it's okay to view them um, as an older band, you know? And I think of like the Rolling Stones, who a couple years ago put out, um, I forget what it's called, but it was an amazing blues album, kind of like a back to basics blues album. It wasn't trying to be on the radio. It was just kind of like digging into who right. they were right. at the core of that band. Yeah. And I would love for you two to do that. Um, and granted, who they are at the core of that band is a big, huge band that's making giant music for arenas. And how do you do that when you're older? I don't know. But I mean, I would love I would love to hear more of that classic U2 sound, because I think when they have done that recently, you know, like every breaking wave is a good example. Although I guess, gosh, that's probably close to like a decade old now. I think that was easily the best song on that album. And it was also the most quintessentially U2 song on that album. I think when they lean into that, it goes well. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw, this just happened like a couple of weeks ago that Eddie Vedder in an interview, he said that he got into a little bit of a disagreement with Bono because uh, they were talking, do you know what I'm talking about, Andrew? No. I, I guess, I guess, um, Bono was saying that whenever U2 puts out a record, it's like it's like they're putting a race horse on the track and they not only want to race, but they want to win. And Eddie Vedder said, you know, when Pearl Jam puts out a record, they just want the horse to be free, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they just couldn't come to an agreement there. What do you think of that, Lauren? I don't know. I just feel like sometimes why don't you just be grateful that you've got a horse on the track still? I mean, like, I just feel like if you, I, I don't know. I mean, they already are the best band in the world. I, I mean, at least to me and to uh, millions of other people. So it's like, I don't know that it has to be such a competition. I don't know. It does, yeah. It and like and it. I think that's, I think that's the thing with Bono, right? Like he's like in that mindset still. And, you know, we've talked about that, Andrew. <laughs> I know, but what, I mean, an album like Passengers, which I know isn't a U2 album per se, but it is. Um, that was an album that I think was put out without any expectations. They were just trying to be weird and they yeah. were weird. Although I really like, I really like your blue room on that album as well. Um, you know, I, that's a good example of like YouTube being able to put something out without huge commercial expectations. I think it's easier to do that when you're coming off of Octane Baby and Zeropa and you are by any definition, like the biggest fan in the world. I think you can't afford to get a little bit weird, but yeah, I do. I do think that U2 is bound by um, by their success. And I think it's hard, you know, it's hard to view any album that isn't going to go platinum as anything other than a failure if you're U2. I think that's why they did the Apple 
uh, partnership and why the album, you know, was on everybody's iPhones, which I didn't mind at all. I thought that was awesome. I understand why other yeah. people were like, why is this thing on my phone? But right. I mean, I think U2 is basically realizing, hey, we're not going to go platinum with this. This is going to be our first album in like forever, like to not go platinum. And that's going to look like a disappointment. What do we do? Oh, we, you know, get around it. We bypass it by just giving it, you know, like to everybody. And probably for being honest, making a lot of money too, like uh, through that Apple partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Lauren, you know, the thing with you two, and the reason why we still love you two and we love them so much is because, you know, when they play live specifically, they say that when you two plays live, you know, God is in the room. Some people have been quoted saying that. What are, some, what are some moments, Lauren, you know, you can talk about your first show in Pop Mart or recently that, you know, they have two or three per show where you're like, oh my God, like this is why I love you two so much that they just makes your heart sing on a deep, deep level, Lauren. Yeah, I mean, the first time in when I saw them for the Pop Mart tour, I was so young and I was so obsessed with them. Like, I had like used my mom's printer at her work and like printed off pictures of them and had them in a book and like their bios and like they're just like obsessed. And so it didn't even feel real in some way, you know, like being so young and seeing them in such a grandiose way it was just like kind of blew my mind wide open when I was you know they walked out of a lemon you know it was yeah. like <laughs> yeah that was fucking good yeah like oh crazy we had really good seats because like you were saying like I think that it was kind of undersold so we were 12th row on the floor which again like as a kid you're just like oh my god what where am I um and couldn't even sing along was almost just like so struck and shocked by everything that like yeah. Like it took me my brain a long time to process it. And, but I just like, you know, loved it. My brother kept going like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what this feeling is, but I like it. Um, and then <laughs> like, on the newest tour, I was like on the floor, like, you know, six feet away from the band. And like, that was absolutely incredible and like just you know for the first time after seeing them so many times was that close and like everyone down on the floor too like you'd think it would be kind of this like competitive thing but everyone's so kind and they were like can yeah. you see am I in your way and like just the fans were so cool everyone was just there to enjoy the music and to have a good time and not be an asshole to each other and like and of like playing acrobat on that tour too like that was just like I get chills even talking about it because that's probably my favorite song on Octa maybe if you put a gun to my head but like just yeah it was just the whole thing and even my husband who has you know come to like you too um, <laughs> if I can even say I know what you're that, talking about yeah he was at the show too but he was like further up back a friend to give him a ticket and he was like that was fucking good and I was like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you. Like, <laughs> you know, like I will make you a believer by the time you hit the grave. But yeah, that's- Oh my that's, God. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I want to get Andrew's take, but I love about you too, that they keep the floor seats like GA, like those are like the cheaper seats. Yeah. I wish more, yeah. I, I wish more acts would do that, you know, because you don't have the hedge fund billionaires in the front row. You have people like, you know, that really care about acrobat. Right, right. exactly. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. So Andrew, what about you, man? Like you, you've seen a lot of you've seen a lot of stuff, and you've created some musical moments yourself, Andrew. But like you've seen Petty a bunch of times, you know you've seen all the greats, but you've seen you too. What are some moments that like you've seen you too that you've been like, oh my god, what is happening? 
Man, well, um, yeah, my first time that I caught them, it was on the All That You Can't Leave Behind tour, on the Elevation tour. Um, it was in Washington, D.C., I guess the summer of uh, 2001. And I went with my girlfriend at the time, my high school girlfriend, and we were way in the back. It was opposite of Lauren's experience. We were so far in the back. Um, you know, and I had been raised in a Catholic community. I like never identified with that. I always had a lot of qualms with what I perceived to be like anti-gay or like anti-equal rights, you know, with, like uh, teachings that were coming out of my Catholic school. And I remember when you two played one, Bono went on a long speech as he is wont uh, to do. Um, and he mentioned something, and I'm gonna paraphrase it. I wish I like, knew it exactly, but he was like, there isn't any line in the Bible that is anti-gay. And the crowd went crazy and I did as well. And they just kind of got me uh, with that. And then, you know, again, that was like the all that you can't leave behind era. You know, like U2 was huge. U2 was playing a Super Bowl. Bono was hanging out with the president. Um, and they were kind of so like untouchable. Um, and then when I graduated college, like the week I graduated college, I went up to Boston and I saw the um, Vertigo tour live. And I remember, um, you know, I had like a GA seats and, you know, got there in line, like way ahead of time, got the wristband. And then as you went through, they would scan it. And if you had a hologram that came up in the scanner, you got to go like in the pit, like inside that ellipse, um, the elliptical ramp. Um, and, you know, we had met like uh, friends in line and they went in first and they got scanned. Like nobody, you know, had the hologram. My college roommate went in before me. He got scanned. He didn't have the hologram. I went, I got scanned. I had the hologram and we hey. went in front and we were one line behind the very front of the stage. And when the whole gig began, it was City of Blinding Lights. Confetti awesome. came down from the ceiling. I was grabbing all the confetti. And I remember, you know, my college roommate was like, Bono is right there. And I turned and like Bono had like materialized out of like thin air. I don't even know, you know, where he came from. And they were so close. I could see like the bottom of his shoes. Yeah. They said like S-O-L-E, soul. <laughs> and it was just like a band, a band that was so larger than life and so untouchable and you know, was so like geographically like far away when I caught them previously, they were up close and personal and it just blew my mind that whole concert. And I knew every line of everything. I was just obsessed. Um, it was amazing. And there are a million, you know, experiences like that. Like that one, I mean, I kept that confetti in my wallet for years until it just, you know, crumbled into nothing after like a decade. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. That is awesome. And of course, you know, you guys are amazing performers yourselves, both of you. Um, you know, L Lauren, let's start with you with this question. I mean, what are some, you're an amazing front woman, Lauren. I don't know if I've told you this. Not just a great she friend, is. but I love the way that you just have the, you know, the crowd's attention and you just grab them and you just, the gospel of Lauren Morrow's music in your face. What is, what is something that you've like taken from you too, from your fandom that you've applied to your, to your great live shows? I mean, I think that like, the the thing I think Jamie and I that we were talking about this last weekend but I feel like just the it, it took me a long time when I started performing to get comfortable trying to like connect to the audience like I would get shy about talking or like wouldn't want to banter or anything like that and it's not that YouTube banters but it's like they I mean but Bono does like go on these chats you know these monologues where he talks about things that makes you feel like you kind of like get to know his brain a little bit. Um, and I think that it's just more like kind of just trying to find like that connection with an audience, which like, I don't know, is, is sometimes it's harder to do in certain places, but like when I think that you can get it, that's really like what was so special about all of their shows to me. It's like, 
you don't feel like you're that different than these people that you idolize so much. Like you were saying, like Andrew, like being so close where you're like, look at his shoes. Like you wear shoes. Like, <laughs> you know, just like you're a real human. Like, are you sweating? Like, you know, just like, <laughs> I don't know, just kind of like breaking down that barrier of between like the, the like performance and then also just being a human. I like that. I like breaking that barrier. Yeah, I dig that. What about you, Andrew, man? You, I mean, your shows, Andrew, man, you are a heck of a frontman yourself. You're like a blend. I would tell the people that have not seen Andrew Lehi and the Homestead, it's like Bruce Springsteen walks into a bar with Tom Petty, with a smidge of Bono. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's just a great stuff, man. Like, so what elements have you pulled from you two, man? You liken me like uh, to Bono because I'm also short, right? Is that, is that why you did that? <laughs> listen, listen, no. His shoes, by the way, they were like platform shoes. Like he, they are. he was getting a lot of height out of those shoes. I remember, I you know, them. when I started doing this and I started, you know, Bono, Simon Cowell, I saw in person, he's like my height and he had, you know, Tom Cruise is like my height and they all wear like 20, 12 foot heels. I'm like, all right, I guess it's okay. Anyway, go ahead. I love it. But I, I agree. I agree with what Lauren said. Um, you know, it's so weird because you two is such a globally large band, but I often feel like the only person in the room who actually enjoys you two. And I often... You know, I feel like I'm like defending them a lot. And so at a U2 concert, um, like to me, even though you are watching like these iconic larger than life rock stars, it also feels like you're just, you know, like the band and the audience is all one, you know, it's all one community of like people who enjoy one kind of music. It's less we're watching like this band and more we're like all together. And I tried to like bring that into like the spirit of my gigs as well. You know, I think my band plays a kind of music that I think is omnipresent it's you know it's you know it's kind of guitar driven pop rock um you know but like in today's world like maybe it's not what's on the radio as much and so at our gigs again i think it's less about we're on stage look at us and watch us and more like hey you know you know like rock and roll with pop melodies is cool right you like it we like it too here's another song and, and i also think yeah it's classic yeah. sounding i feel like what you do you know like that we need more that. of that in the world yeah, I appreciate I that. And I was also just going to say, um, I've taken a lot like uh, from the edge too. I think, I think what like he doesn't get enough credit for is creating a guitar sound that is just completely omnipresent now. I think it probably sounds less you know, like uh, striking now because it's been adopted by the Christian uh, music world. It's kind of the, you know, it's the like stereotypical, like I'm going to play a mega church with my like huge guitar pedal board, you know, and like, you know, I could put a bunch of echo and like delay on it. But he just completely created that sound and owns that sound. Um, I don't know what my point is other than go edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> edge is a genius. Uh, yeah. Lauren, what is, um, what is, what are your most underrated U2 songs? Like the, the ones that you love the most that just like, you know, not the mm. hits. Oh boy. Um, um, um um stay far away so close on zuropa yeah Love that song it's so good um kite was not a hit off of all that you can't leave behind but is so sentimental to me because i lost my grandpa like right around that same time that that song came out and that was just like i still like can't listen to it without crying i get cold chills talking that about song it. is so powerful yeah yeah um and on pop mart um, like I said earlier, if you wear that velvet dress was one that I was always kind of struck by, like as a kid, I think melody wise, it's just like, it's just kind of gets stuck in your head. Um, I 
feel like I'm drawing a blank right now. Like I need to look at the albums. Um, oh, those, those are good. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. yeah, running to stand still off of, um, you know, Joshua tree. I love that song, but I mean, it's hard for me sometimes to choose ones off of Joshua tree or Octum Bay because I feel like they're all hits to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They're yeah. I think nice. that's all I can think of right now. No, absolutely. I mean, kite, kite, and and we talked with it with with Andrew as well. Kite is quite, quite underrated. That's quite yeah. a spectacular song. So good. Yeah. And I, I remember I remember them talking once that, you know, that Bono thought that it was like about, like his father passing, but yeah. but it just became like about like every phase of life, like when his kids went out out, out of the home, just like a whole thing, just really yeah. really good mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, what about you, Andrew? Andrew Leahy. <laughs> Laura, uh, Lauren mentioned Stay, um, which is yeah, an incredible song. Um, when I think about all the U2 gigs I've seen, I think my favorite one was in Lansing, Michigan in the summer of 2011. And they played just a spellbinding version of Stay. Also, when I think about all the bootlegs that I have, I think like the best song ever on any of my YouTube bootlegs is August 28th, 1993. And they're playing a hometown show in Dublin. And again, just an incredible version of Stay. Um, you know, but other songs, you know, I, 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 I love In A Little While. I think it's an incredible vocal on that one. Um, I really like trying to throw your arms around the world. I think that's another song that really came into its, you know, like a true form live. Um, I really like Trip Through Your Wires. I think that's a good example of kind of the like Americana YouTube. And it's like maybe what they were going for later on Rattle and Hum, but they kind of already got it on Joshua Tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Love is Blindness, the last song on Austin mm. mm. is like, I used to, I was such a strange child, but like <laughs> would just sit in the dark of my bedroom with like my CD player headphones on and just listen to that over and over again, like brooding, but it's, it's an awesome one that I just thought of that, yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I love it, guys. I, I want to ask you about an album that puzzles me. I'm just curious about your, your, um your opinion on it because I, I don't know what to make of it. And that's no line on the horizon. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an album that to me, you know, it has moments of brilliance, but I don't know still to this day, like what, 12 years later, 13 years later, what, where to put it? Uh, where do you put it, Lauren? Like, what do you think of this? Um, okay, so I'm going to look it up because first of all, I love the title track, No Line on the Horizon. I yeah. just listened to something that was like this four hour long talk about you two and they didn't mention they really kind of like pushed that album aside which I really was kind of like that's not I don't really agree with that like that first song I love so much I, I think like you're talking about like the edges guitar work like that song just to me like seems like it's really um yeah you, you, you maybe you want to talk about it Andrew for a second at no yeah. line yeah yeah I I mean I think I think that album is like the last um, I don't know if I would call it a great album, but it's like the last U2 album that I really love. Magnificent, um, that's the song, the second song that I was trying to think about, yeah. Magnificent is great. Yeah. I think that Breathe is great too. Um, I wish that they hadn't led with the Get On Your Boots as yes. the lead single. Because yeah. it's- an, it, Talk like, about, talk I mean, about I feel a fuck like, up. Yeah, I think it's kind of more like, that song is more of like a pop kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like a tongue in cheek song i get that but i think it's easier like that goes that is more easily like uh, digested on an album like pop which is kind of exclusively tongue-in-cheek um 
yeah, I don't know why they led with that. And like this song where he's like at an ATM machine or something. I yeah, love that yeah. song melodically. I love that song musically. <laughs> I wish it wasn't about him at an ATM machine. That right. uh, it loses a bit of its power with those like huge like, oh. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're what? Like you're putting in your card? Like what's going on here? Right. Yeah. But I'll also say that the tour around that one was an incredible tour with the claw and the, you know, in the round, like a stage. sixty tour, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I went to that one in Atlanta too. Um, nice. What do you think of that tour, Lauren? Um, it was okay. I don't, I, it really wasn't their fault so much as like, I mean, we were like, had some shitty seats. We were kind of like behind this thing. But then also I do kind of feel like the way that it was kind of like moving, like, I don't, I just couldn't really see anything. The sound was, it wasn't their fault. It was the venue. It was where we were in Atlanta. It just wasn't really, it wasn't one of the more memorable ones. Um, yeah. I was also with a really annoying person that, at the show that kind of ruined my night. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Bummer. You know, shout, learn your lesson. You're gonna go share you two moments. Like, make sure you pick your crowd that you want to share those moments with. Because, like, having to try to explain to someone the whole time, or like, are you having a good time? Do you hate this? Like, that's not the experience you want. Totally, totally. It, it, that's amazing about you too. How just divided opinion. But yeah, that album. I mean, breathe. For example, to me, I really love that song. Breathe. You know, just just seeing Larry like you know start those drums and that tour like I'll never forget that stuff but but yeah absolutely absolutely what, what was what was uh YouTube's last great song Andrew um I mean I like I like lights from home um I mean I think last great song I think it's probably every breaking wave I think lights from home is a good song I think there's a lot of good songs on their most recently uh, on their most like uh, recently released albums but I think great would probably be every breaking wave what about you lauren um i think that honestly uh what's the song that's on so when they did it at the last tour bono comes out and there's a there was like a light that was swinging what song is that uh ultraviolet no it's not well he did ultraviolet at the same time but it's on a new record but it's like it's a light it's about there's a light it's like a light there's a light that never goes out that's mm. the song but it, yes it's the like, last one of the experience yeah, yeah. i'm Third trying thing. to find it right now but it's really really good and i think it's one of those that like i hadn't experienced until i went to the show because like the, i just have a hard time sometimes digesting their new records i just have to be honest like i have to like sometimes it takes a lot out of me like where i'm like oh like some things make me embarrassed you care so much you care so much and you want it to be good yeah i hear you 100 i mean it's like i'm trying to look it up right now because it really is a good song um uh as you look that up yeah i really um what is what's like the beginning uh love is all that we have left kind of the kind of like a like a snippet of a song like jamie help me out here isn't that like a track one on maybe not like the most recent one but like the penultimate album I like that one as well. And I thought that was a really love, interesting way no, to that, begin. That, that's from Songs of Experience. Yeah, Love is All We Have Left. Yeah, I thought Song that was a cool 13. way to begin an album. 13, There is a Light. It's a really, really good song. Like, it just kind of, like, is uplifting and, I don't know, just kind of touches you the way that those uh, old, older U2 lyrics and things would, too, you know? Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. Research for this interview, Jamie. What's that? You should have researched for this interview. No, you did. All of the songs. 
No, you're doing you're, you're you're doing you're doing amazing. You're doing amazing, guys. I mean, to me, the last you two great song, man, I have a hard time with this one because I think they come close in the last couple records. Um, but there's like something missing. But probably every breaking wave, you know, maybe magnificent yeah. around those. I think those two are like close hits. But uh, but yeah, oh my god, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And uh, okay, Lauren, let's let's kind of like transition to this. We may have a special guest. We may not. Uh, tell me a little bit about 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 Bono, and just like share with us a little bit about because you love Bono and you love Oasis. What is it about Bono that you think makes him like so easy to critique by some people and so easy to love by others? I guess anytime that you have a big personality and you have an opinion, like you can be critiqued by anybody. Um, and I don't think, you know, he's, I don't think that he's ever shied away from having something to say about anything ever since they first started. And, you know, I know that there, there are people who constantly roll their eyes and they're like Bono, you know, but I don't think that they actually really, I mean, I don't know him, but like, I can look at his work that he does with charities and like, and obviously how much he means to me as a songwriter and a lyricist and as a frontman and like, um, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I'm not here to defend every single word that he's ever said, but like, I just think that, yeah, it, people have big opinions about him because he has a big personality. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, I think if you're if you're going to be a rock star of that magnitude, um, there's a couple avenues you can go down. You mentioned you too. Um, you know, with the Gallagher's, it's a very kind of like British like swagger they have. Um, you know, really cocksure, really controversial. And that's cool. Well, that isn't what Bono is. He's like very earnest, very, very activist. Um, and so I can understand now why that rubs people the wrong way. I didn't used to understand it. I used to like not get why anybody would be anything less than enamored with Bono, but I get it now. I also think when you come from an 80s school of like arena sized pop rock, Right. You're used to just having like large, you know, like uh, gestures and, you know, like the way you carry yourself mirrors like the scope and the ambition of your music. And so I think Bono has to be outspoken. He has to be like the mouthpiece of that band. Because look at Larry and look at Adam and look at the edge. They're not going to go out and like yeah, make headlines. They're just so like demure and quiet. Like Larry is back there just, you know, handsome as hell and like never speaking ever. So you need a person like Bono to... um you know, like to hang out with world leaders and right. and to have like nonprofits. <laughs> What's that, Lauren? that? Well, like in supermodels, like in the '90s, you know, it was like he, you know, they were always like had some model on their, you know, Christy Turlington or Naomi Campbell or something, you know. But you're right, like they're just, you know, he's he's the a front man. I don't know that there are that many in the world these days you know that like that really are kind of carrying that torch of like just being a very bombastic like front man you know well and like, when your music when your band you know like a youtube concert is kind of like rock and roll church and you need a preacher if you're going to have yeah. rock and roll church and that's bono yeah yeah exactly no I i'm would. with you I, you, you know, I think we've talked about this, uh, uh, Andrew, and it happens a little bit to Bruce Springsteen. And, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, people fell in love with, you know, the, the punk kid from Northern Dublin, you know, against the status quo, that kind of stuff. And now he's like hanging out in Davos, like that kind of like the visual that he's like, you know, eating fondue with Bill Gates and with, you know, Warren Buffett in the Swiss Alps. It just doesn't vibe with, you know, with out of control, you know? 
That's true. But I mean, again, as a person who is all about or continues like, you know, to be all about like the Octane Baby era, you know, what Lauren mentioned, the whole like supermodel thing. I like that. I like I like that you two kind of embraced its rock and roll um, assets or something yeah. without losing track. You know, they were still engaged in social activist causes at that time, but they were also kind of playing a bit into like the rock and roll cliches and also enjoying them a bit. And I think like, that's like the best way to, you know, do it. It's like to enjoy it, but also say like, look at this. It's kind of like ridiculous, but it's also kind of awesome. Like we're on a plane with, you know, with like Naomi Campbell and like Adam's engaged, you know, like to her briefly. I think that's kind of cool. (laughs) That is very cool. Oh my God. I I also feel like, don't you feel... I got into this like argument on Facebook the other day and I don't know why I always fall into the trap to defend you two, but like I always do. <laughs> and they were just like, they're just too big for their britches in the nineties. And I was like, don't you get that? That's like the joke. Like it's like the whole tour of zoo TV and pop Mart and all of that is like that machine and biting the hand that feeds you kind of thing. It's just like the, the irony that people just didn't get, I feel like was lost on so many people, you know? Yeah, it really was. Like, you know. it really was. Well, guys, I could talk to you, you know, for we could do a whole series on YouTube. Like that's basically the bottom line. So, you know, I know you guys got stuff to do. We we're waiting for a special guest. They didn't pan out. But uh, but guys, you know, much love. You guys know we love you. I mean, we love you too. And you know, people should really check you guys out live because both of you have special elements on your music and always a thrill to join you guys. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks it, man. All right, guys. I like, can I get on the record? Yeah. I think that we should like do like these a lot and like discuss like specificities of each era and have guests all the time. I'm in favor of like an ongoing, you know, like a YouTube you know podcast. I I'm like put that. that out there. I like. I th- I think that whenever the next record or next true announcement or something happens, we'll like reconvene and we'll we'll be like Nashville's like resident like what's happening here YouTube like, channel. YouTube fireside chats. I-, I love it live from Dukes in East Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> unforgettable fireside chats right yeah you did oh very good very good very good all right andrew lauren love you guys bye y'all you've been listening to j-rod concerts the podcast with jamie rodriguez